Another Ute game is in the books. Shut! On second down, Brewer throwing for the corner of the end zone. It's caught, touchdown! Thomas again, inside the 10, breaks a tackle. Touchdown, Utah! Pressure again, flushed out by Tafua. Toward the sideline, throws it back, and it's juggled and tipped and intercepted. Off the hands of Randall Bryant, and Utah comes away with it. And it's Devin Lloyd, the pick. Empty backfield for Brewer. Hangs in there. Second and two after an eight-yard pickup. Another carry for Tavion Thomas inside the 10. Tripped up, keeps going, touchdown! Second score for Thomas, a 14-yarder. Rising in the flat. Dump contained. Touchdown! The clock is at zero, and it's time to break down today's game. This is your youth. Postgame show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, man, I feel like I've been fed. I feel like I've been cared for, showered, swaddled, and put to bed warm and cozy, Frank. I just, it just I, none feels... None of that sounded right. It feels right, man. Everything feels right with the world. Is that right? College football, football is back. Yeah. And the nice. Utes have a quarterback... That can throw a football. If you're just tuning in, Utah gets the win 40 to 17. Former Utah quarterback, legend Frank Dolce, hanging out with us doing the pre and post game show. And Frank, let's jump right into this thing. Charlie Brewer, 19 of 27 for 233 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. What did you think of Charlie Brewer's performance? Probably in that, he probably had conservative three drops, four drops. I mean, you could say maybe he had even five. Uh, conservative five, four. Yeah, five and or then six drops maybe. Like one of them was back behind a tight end. He kind of reached yeah. back. But, yeah, there was yeah. four that absolutely could so, have been. And re- two for touchdowns. Yeah, really good numbers for him. I was impressed by the way that he managed the pocket. He never seemed flustered. His footwork was fantastic. Uh you know, we've seen quarterbacks with the football feet that are dancing around all the time. Uh-huh. He just seems so steady in the pocket, and his accurate the accuracy with his throws. I mean, I I I don't think it's I don't think we're overstating it by saying we saw throws made by the Utah quarterback tonight that we haven't seen in a long time, a long time. Like the accuracy, the velocity, the trajectory. The throw on the move. The throw on the move. The throw on the mm-hmm. move for the touchdown to to Solomon Ennis. Uh, he was moving to his left, and he he put that on a dime. I mean, how hard is that to to move so, to the left and throw with the right well, to the left? It's not hard to throw on the move to the left if you get your shoulders square. Yeah, I mean, if you get your shoulders and your hips square to the line of scrimmage, that's not a that's not a difficult throw to make. But he was under pressure, and so he to. To get his shoulder square and to make that throw in the motion that he did under duress, it was, it was very impressive. I was I was pleasantly surprised um, with Brewer's performance. Okay, talk about the back side shoulder throw to Covey. It was dropped, but it well, was perfectly accurate. Kind of walk me through that. The best thing, you know, that was one of the best throws I thought he made on the night. It was just out 
just past the outstretched arms of Covey, but Covey was Covey was marked. I mean, he was he was covered on that play. Yeah. And and the cornerback had inside leverage mm-hmm. on that play and Brewer threw Covey open. I mean, he put it where only Covey could get to it. and Covey nearly came down with that mm-hmm. ball. That's an I mean, that's that's advanced quarterback play. Very good throw. Very very good throw. And I think we saw him make throws like that throughout the throughout the night. Like he made what could have been difficult throws look kind of ordinary. He just put them where they needed to be. He wasn't, I mean, it's not perfect. I, yeah. I don't want to make the. That, no, but, far from it. Yeah. He's, but, he's got some we, things to work on. We saw some things tonight out of Brewer that I think both of us thought this, this could be really good for Utah. I am very, very, very particular with my quarterback play because. I had an opportunity to be around Peyton Manning, play with Peyton Manning, and I've seen the best of the best. Yeah. And I know what timing and rhythm feels like. I know what it feels like to guard for. I know what it feels like the time, the clock in my head as an offensive lineman to block for. I know the timing and the rhythm of it. And that timing of the rhythm of a quarterback's throw allows an offensive lineman to punch, reset, sit, and know that that ball's gone. And if if he's in rhythm and I'm in rhythm, then it's just it's just a consistent right down the field. It, talk about his footwork and his his design of of his drop and his release. So one thing I think you'll, you you may have noticed with Brewer tonight uh, is that he he never he never looked like he was off balance throwing the ball. Like his, he always had his feet underneath him, in the in the right way. I mean, there were times when he had to scramble and he had to make a throw, but when he was operating out of the pocket, he he just has this ability to to maneuver his feet in the right way. And and lots of people will tell you where your feet go, that's where the ball's going to go. Brett Favre was an anomaly because his foot could be pointing, you know. West and he was he could throw the ball east. It was it was weird, uh, but but if your feet are aligned, uh, then then the ball is typically going to go that way, and I think that's part of the why he had this accuracy is that if you watched him throw, he would always balanced his shoulders looked level and his feet were in going in the right direction. Charlie Brewer ended up with four carries for 15 yards, had to leave the pocket a little bit. Uh, talk about what you saw from him managing and mitigating, taking shots and, and limiting the exposure to his body. He's good. Uh, he's very athletic, and he ran the ball a lot more at Baylor. I don't think Utah's going to utilize him much as a running threat. Now, they, Utah's pretty bland on the offensive side tonight, so maybe they'll open that up a little bit, but I think they want to preserve him as much as possible and use him in the pocket, which is not to say that he isn't athletic. I think he's very athletic. I think he demonstrated that on several different occasions. So great escapability uh, and and mobility outside of the pocket. Lloyd Cole during the game said to me, Charlie Brewer could start for the Denver Broncos right now. Uh, just you know, looking at Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke and saying, "Why are you looking at me that way?" 
Is this not the time? Is the Utah postgame, <laughs> is that not the time to take a shot? Oh, uh, sorry, Eric's there, too. Eric, that wasn't meant for you, man. That was directed at Scotty G, who I know is listening. And, uh, you know, Lloyd's a Raiders fan. But. Yes. Uh, Charlie Brewer looked, he looked exceptional. <laughs> he looked exceptional. By the way, 855-340-9663. This is your show. Uh, Utah fans, an opportunity to call in, ask any question of Frank Dolce, uh, or if you've got any thoughts or observations that you want to throw out over air, this is your show, 855-340-9663. We'll take those phone calls. We're going to have some fun. You know, these post-game shows, Frank and I love to break these games down, and we love to analyze what we saw, but we also like to let the hair down a little bit, have a little bit of fun, laugh a little bit, and help you enjoy your ride home from the game. So 855-340-9663 to jump on the phone lines with us. All right, so we talked about the running back situation. Makai Bernard did get the start, but he was not the star running back. I want you to break down the running back competition the way Frank Dolce saw it. Well, uh, so I thought Bernard was good. Uh, And and – on six carries, he averaged almost six yards a carry. Uh, I I thought he was good. I thought he demonstrated that that if he if he's the guy that Utah has will, will give themselves lots of opportunities to to win football games. Uh, Pledger Pledger only had a couple carries for ten yards. Chris Curry, I thought on his Chris Curry had three carries, but I thought he on three carries he was he was fairly impressive. Uh, the guy that came out on top in my mind was was Thomas, Tavion Thomas, uh, ended up with 12 carries, over 100 yards, almost nine yards per carry. I don't know that we have a guy in the backfield for Utah that's, that's, that's going to be what Utah had a year ago. I mean, that's just, that's just hard to replace. That's just hard to replace. Um, but Thomas looked like he, he might be as close as you get to that. At the end of the game, I don't know if you you saw this as well, but it looked like he was he was a little gassed. Maybe he's still trying to, and and that first game is always a little tricky, still trying to figure out the 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 conditioning, get his weight right. But but of all the guys, I thought we saw sparks out of all of them. Uh, but to me, it was Thomas one, Bernard two. I would put Curry number three. And then Pledger would come in in fourth. And, and pretty soon you're going to have to just narrow that down to a couple guys. I thought um, I, I thought I saw a fumble or two, but I'm, I'm just looking down the box score. There's no, there, were, there were no fumbles that were given away. There were just balls put on the ground? No, I thought Thomas I thought, lost the ball. That, that's what I thought, but I'm sitting here looking, and it says Utah fumbles, no Utah fumbles. Huh. So let me go to the team stats. Team stats, turnovers, fumbles lost. See, on team stats, it's got fumbles lost one. Yeah, Th- Thomas fumbled the ball. Yeah, and then but then on the box score, it's showing no fumbles lost. But I, it was it was one. There's it was one. Tavion Thomas, right? Yeah. yeah. And it, there was a moment there where he came off the field and probably got an earful. And yeah, I, do you remember who was it? Was it uh, was it? Moss going back years ago that had the one fumble and then was like never doing it again. Yeah, and he, yeah, he came out. He was angry. Yep. 
and was that Moss? I believe and that, that resoluted to never do it again. Yeah. You know, some of these guys come off the sideline; they take it extremely personal. Yeah. Well, it, it would be wise to do that with Coach Whittingham because there there are two things. He he wants a guy that can run the ball. There's no question about that. But if you cannot pass block, and 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 if you cannot protect the ball, you're just not going to play. Devontae Booker became a terrific, terrific in pass protection. Zach Moss was like unbelievable in pass protection. It became a point of pride for for those guys to to really excel in those two phases. Mm-hmm. And then the ability to run the ball, you know, which lots of people think is number one, became like the third best attribute yeah. for those guys. And I think that's where these running backs need to develop. You're listening to the Utah Post Game Show with Frank Dolce, Hans Olsen, 97.5, 12 into the zone. You can call us, 855-340-ZONE, or you could jump on your app. You could leave an open mic. Eric's back in the production studio, so he can pull those open mics. If you don't know how to do that, you download the Zone app. Right there, the three bars, you click on those three bars. That's the menu option. It shows you an open mic. Click on it, press record. It records a 15, 20-second message. You press send, and it ships it right to our producer. It's that easy. That We have that technology? Yeah. How <laughs> sweet is that? What? Yeah, it's called open mic, and kidding? it's just a quick 20-second message. Ships it right to our producer. That's amazing. I remember when you, people used to have to write a letter and send it in for to get their questions. I know. I know. Send it by horse. Can you, and then you got Kevin Costner showing up at your log cabin yeah. with the person's message three weeks later. In a bottle. Right. What good does it do you then? Not much. Open mic gets to us right now, so you can do it that way. All right, so a lot of people getting in their cars right now, leaving this Utah game, probably a little chapped about their offensive line in the first half. Yeah. I. There's certainly, like, this was far from a perfect game for Utah. I think uh, there's certainly plenty. It's a, it was a good first game for Utah. Certainly plenty of work to do heading into next week. And I'm very curious. I'm interested to hear what Coach Whittingham has to say about it. Uh, he's, he's pretty objective about his team. Uh, so, so the, but the offensive, the offensive line is interesting because the, the offensive line that we saw trot out there tonight as a starting five, I'm not sure that's the starting five. Um, you could you could tell better than than I, but but that's that's not the starting five. And, and so that's that's something that's something to consider. And and I thought I thought Weber State put up a heck of a fight at the line of scrimmage. I was like I was impressed. Yeah, they did with with what they did. Weber State's going to be really good. Yeah, I think that Jay, Jay Hill has done a fantastic mm-hmm. job there. Fantastic job. This was their starting five. Bam Olesini at the left tackle. Braden Daniels at the left guard. Ford at the center. Miley at the right guard. And Simi Mawala at the right tackle. That was the starting five. And that's not the way it was listed as the starting unit. There's been a back and forth. I think there's been an injury or two. Mm-hmm. Guys are, are banged up. And I think that the staff wanted to be really careful, make sure that they've got their depth going into rivalry week. Yeah. I agree, and and so that from my understanding, I don't know for sure, but it, it sounds like those injuries are um, were enough to keep players out of a game, mm-hmm. out of this game, with the idea that they would be significantly healed by the time 
next week rolled around. You know, I I do appreciate Utah fans are are fantastic on Twitter. You know, they they've always got good insight and good questions and I had I don't know five or six different people that instantly tweeted at me. It was like the first couple pressures and and said offensive line, man. And and it's it's really tough because you and I are sitting here and I literally would have to know the play call. I need to know the protection. I need to know who they're identifying as mm-hmm. the Mike linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to be able to p- play and then rewind l- at least ten times because I need to watch positions and running backs first steps. And you got to know those things to really understand where the blitz is leaking. Mm-hmm. If it's the offensive line's fault, if it's a running back's fault, if it's a tight end's fault, sometimes it's a quarterback's fault. Frank, you know this playing the position. Sometimes the quarterback is purely responsible for a blitzing backer. Mm-hmm. He has to know that that guy is coming free. He does not have enough blockers, and he's got to know, and he's got to throw hot, or he's got to get rid of it. He's got he has to worry about that guy. So, people watch the game and they see something leak right through the middle, and they're like, "The offensive line, you're gonna pick that up." <laughs> and sometimes it's not them. Yeah, so it's just not. Yeah. You know, it's it's not. And so I um, I wish I didn't know so much about football that I could just jump on and be like, this offensive line gave up way too many pressures in the first half of this game. There were three blitzes that came between the guard and the center. The guard and the center is responsible for that blitzer. It's not that easy. Mm-mm. And I know I'd get a message from Jim Harding. At some point, Jim would be like, hey, dude, so that was dumb what you said. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't, I, can't, I don't want to answer to him in that. So I try to be fair with my breakdowns of offensive linemen, and I need to go back and look at it before I tell you, oh, there was a breakdown between Braden Daniels and and Ford, and or there was a breakdown between Simi and Miley. I need to go back and look at it. I just I have to look at personnel. Got to find mics. I got to call a couple people and check protections. There are some that are just blatantly obvious. Mm-hmm. When you see when you see the the center, the right guard and the right tackle slide to the right and then you see the left guard slide to his left mm-hmm. and then you see the blitzer come between <laughs> that vacated that that what, vacated what gap. What do you think? <laughs> and it's like okay, I know there's a sore thumb here <laughs> and that dude is the sore thumb. But yeah. A lot of times it's more veiled than it's, that. It's a little more, yeah, it's absolutely a little mm-hmm. more complex. And, you know, you, you can get yourself into trouble by doing the immediate reaction yeah. to something. Uh, and, no, this is what happened. This is not what happened without understanding yeah. the complexity up front. And, by the way, this is a first game. This is a unit that, you know, it's. I, I think that Utah's really struggled with getting five guys together regularly on yeah. the offensive front heading up to this game and that's that's challenging that unit so so like i it it happens on the defensive line as well like you 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 have utah will have four guys and they need to be able to work together yeah but it's not quite the same you don't need the same you don't need to be it quite in sync the same way that an offensive line does it's a different way to manage that group and so having those five guys work together for a couple weeks, they didn't get that opportunity mm-hmm. because people were out and injured. Yeah. It's a that's a difficult that's a difficult task. And so now you're throwing guys in there and and trying to manage it and and I thought Utah did a pretty nice job of managing it. There are certainly breakdowns up front tonight. Yeah. 
and and where they're breaking down, whether it's a running back or or offensive lineman. Give me some time. I'll go back and do some review on some of the pressures that came in the first half of that game, and we'll we'll look at it. How good? I'm going to put you on the spot. So, how good is Jim Harding at breaking down film and determining? how to correct those issues and and can he do that on the fly as well he can and I, I think he's very good at it I think he's he has a high awareness of of his protections and the responsibilities in those protections and and then it just comes down to designations and proper technique it if you just have if you just have designation and proper technique it's very easy for Jim because Jim can look at, okay, well, we've got an overload right, and you've got a walked-up safety. You've got to take that from <clears throat> that middle backer from number 44. You've got to designate 36. Now we all slide over to the safety side, and that's going to send our backer down to the outside backer who's walk, walked up the line of scrimmage. Like There's just some base fundamentals to the way your your protections work. And so, yeah, he knows them very well. And he can go in and look at, you know, look at the stills that they take, mm-hmm. or he can go in at halftime and say, so we had these two blitzes leak through for, on us. Does anybody want to tell me why? And if somebody can't fess up and say, uh, coach, that was, that was me, <laughs> yeah. then there's some heat. And it's like, okay, tell me why you don't know that. Yeah. Tell me why you don't know that. We worked on this five times. We knew this blitz package was coming. Why did you not know that? And then you just make your guy answer for it. And I think Jim's very good at that. Mm-hmm. Jim's put, uh, what, eight, maybe eight offensive linemen into the draft? Seven or eight offensive linemen in the draft? He he knows how to build them. And he knows how to identify blitzes. So I've got full trust in that. Should we try some phone calls? Do we have some phone calls? we got plenty, man. Let's, yeah, All let's, you can handle. Let's try. Let's try some phone calls. I uh, can handle. Dave, you are up first with the Frank Dolce postgame show. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. Oh, hey, guys. I am honored. First caller of the year. Wow, yeah, that man. is. Do you, oh, does he win right. something? Nah, uh, Come he, on, let's he, give me he, he I just, feel like I've won. Just talking to you guys, I feel like I've won. Uh, <laughs> that's fantastic, Dave. What, what, what thought do you have? I don't have, know if or? I feel swaddled. I don't know if I feel swaddled I by hope. Kansas talks. About yeah, yeah, that I'm not sure that you want that. I, I'm getting some negative reaction for the way I opened the, the post-game <laughs> show. <laughs> um, I'll deal yeah, with it. man, just, uh, it, it feels right. You know, it's just great. The stadium looked great. Um, the Ty Jordan stuff was you know, heartbreaking and beautiful at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I just, I, I had a couple questions. And I know it's first, you know, thing. I, I was wondering your guys' thoughts on Vele because I've heard so much from him over the little, you know, the last couple of years, just that I didn't see him catch a lot of passes. So I was kind of wondering your thoughts on that. And, uh, you know, at this point, it also seems like Utah could field a whole offensive tight ends. I mean, what, they have like 17 tight ends or something like that at this point? There's so many of them. Yeah, um, <laughs> there's a group of tight ends. If you want to throw one more out there, we'll we'll get to the Vele thing. But is there is there one other thing you wanted to throw out there? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was just so Ford. I've heard actually, hands you say that Ford's most natural position is the center position, right? Yeah, like he's moved all over the line. But is it just me, or was his snaps like a little slow? Tricky? They were a little slow. To the ground, up yeah. above, over to the side. And, and the, it, it just got me a little concerned if that's going to be his 
position. I'll you know go back and look at those snaps, and, and that is something that's that's pretty quickly uh, fixable. And it's something that can get lazy in practice when you just start floating it back to the quarterback and it takes a second to get back there. But, yeah, I saw that too. In fact, um, believe it or not, we're sitting here with Lloyd, our producer, and Lloyd said to me, geez, man, look at that snap. I think it floated back, and then I watched the next, like, three snaps, and they're, they're not as sharp as they can be. So that's something he can certainly clean up. But that's something that's very fixable. Uh, Dave, thanks for the call. Frank, I'm going to have you answer the, the Vele question. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. So so this is this is the part of the, the field that I'm – where I still have questions for Utah, the, the, that wide receiver group. Uh, I thought – Solomon Ennis showed up tonight. Um, I don't think we had did did we have Howard on the field? Yeah, Theo Howard, one catch for nineteen yards. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's there's another guy, super super talented guy. And I know we saw Jalen Dixon on the field. Obviously, one catch. Obviously, mm-hmm. Britton Covey. Vele is a guy that's super talented, a redshirt freshman, good size. He's you know what six. Four six five, yep, two hundred plus pounds, um, and I think that's just you know, that's one of those guys that's just going to have to find his way onto the field. Did he have an issue coming into this game? I don't know. There wasn't like I. I, I don't know the storyline on. I don't know. I didn't hear any injury tweak or anything like that. But there's, he's just. It's like he's one of those guys that just kind of has to figure out his way onto the field. In this in this rotation, but in talking with Coach Whittingham fairly recently, he felt really confident about this wide receiver group. He named yeah. seven guys, seven guys maybe, Vele included. That receivers are are targets. Receivers that that receivers yeah by position yeah, yeah that that he thought these these guys are going to be good. You just have to mm-hmm. we'll just have to you know get them on the field. Dave, to your last point, yeah, there were four tight ends that were targeted, three with receptions. Dalton Kincaid, four catches, 75 yards. Brent Keithy, three catches, 44 yards. Thomas Yasmin, the one catch for six yards. And then uh, Cole Fotheringham, doggone it, had a drop. Was that in the end zone? Yeah, I think that was going to be a touchdown, right? Yeah, I think it was going to be a a touchdown by Cole Fotheringham, and he just couldn't quite pull that thing in. So he's he's probably going to take a little bit of punishment for that, and that's a that's a bummer deal. But he'll get through it, and they'll get over it, and they'll move forward. But yeah, four different tight ends were targeted in this, and I'm just happy that Dalton Kincaid went out and did what I thought he could and would do. So Keithy is as advertised. Yep, like. I, I I would be surprised if he sticks around. Like he's he's to me he's a he's a next level talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kincaid made it very interesting tonight. Yeah. I think there's a battle now between. So I said that Utah had t- two of the most talented Titans in the nation in Keithy and Fotheringham. And here comes Kincaid. Yeah, he's made it now really interesting because there's three guys he's and a talent, man. and he's super talented. He made a fantastic catch for that first touchdown. Uh, I, that's the battle, it, to me. Keithy's got his spot, but but there's a battle now between Kincaid and Fotheringham heading into next week. 
855-340-9663. Hans Olsen, Frank Dolce will be hanging out with you. Jump back out to the phone lines. We'll go to Robin. Robin, you're up next to Frank Dolce. Go ahead, Robin. Hans and Frank, man. Thank you guys for being awake. You bet. <laughs> We're happy Absolutely. to do it. I won't be able to go to sleep good... after the first game. I mean, that's no. just how it goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm so soaked. I'm going to be up all night and go watch it on uh, DVR. But uh, that's a good problem to have. Um, do you think that we were kind of vanilla tonight, not wanting to show too much? Yeah. For the BYU game? Yeah, sure. that way, huh? I mean, the score is still 40 to 10, but 40 to 17. But, uh, man, beautiful stadium. That was the first time I had a chance to see it. And uh, at the end of the third quarter, that tribute to Ty, that was really cool. And they said, instead of a moment of silence, we're going to do a moment of celebration. Very cool. Quite emotional. It was pretty cool. It was really cool. Uh, that is a really but, cool uh, idea, concept. It, it, it was good. But just wanted to hear your thoughts on that about just always keeping it. And Brewer, Brewer, man, he puts those balls Very on accurate. point. And it's it's nice to see a quarterback under center again. Uh, I <laughs> wish we would have QB sneaked on the one-yard line. I love that play. It's an 80s play, but. I guess he's not as big as L.A., but I'll talk to you guys again. Thanks for staying up. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Robin. Uh, Frank, do you want to comment on the first part? The uh, Which was the first part? Uh, I'm trying to remember his first question that he threw out there. I know. I was thinking about it as he was asking it. Oh, the vanilla. So, yeah, Utah was, Utah was pretty vanilla. Like, it's hard coming out of this game because job number one is to win the game. So they won the game. And and it was like there was maybe a moment in there when we were like, hey, if Weber State scores here, it's going to be really close. And then, you know, but but then it turns out like it kind of, you kind of thought it would. It wasn't – I wouldn't say that it was this supremely dominating effort by Utah. And that that is partially because it was – you know, it was pretty bland up front. I don't think they did a lot on the defensive side, either. Um, and and I and I I think that Coach Whittingham would would kind of say the same. Like I know we were being vanilla. You know, I know we didn't want to show too much. I still think that we, you know, we his team could have dominated a little bit more. I was. I mean, I'd like to get your thoughts on what was happening at the line of scrimmage. If 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 my analysis is correct, like we uh, offensively, they're just we're, Utah's trying to manage different pieces right now. They don't have the 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 got the right five up front yet. Yeah. Or if there was something else, like Weber State was doing something that we weren't Utah was not prepared for. I really think it's a mix of a few things, but I. I did look at some of those blitz packages that Jay was putting out there, and I, I feel like he had some tips. I, I feel like he had some signs on green dogs and the the ability to recognize certain protections and find openings and looks because there were guys that were sneaking through, no mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. So I think some of it came down to Jay's got some identifications of what protections Jim Harding's running and did a good job of blitzing into it. I also think that that offensive line wasn't as clean. I don't think the running backs were as clean. But it's such a hard thing to predict or to look at in a, in a one rep. I've got to go back and yeah and really yeah, break it down. But true. the the first things first, Frank, it looked like Weber State had some really good blitzes that were drawn up. Yep. I, and Jay, Jay's got some good talent. He does have good talent. 
I think if you you know you put those guys, you line up those guys one by one, and you'd say, well, Utah should win this game. There's you know there's a, there is a talent differential, mm-hmm. but that's a very well coached team. It's a talented Weber State team, and they were they were in it for a fight. I mean they they came out ready ready to to play a little sure. game, uh, and not that Utah was overlooking anybody, but it wasn't. I mean, I think everyone's like, well, you should roll right over. And I kind of feel that way, too. Like, I, I've watched a lot of Weber State football. I've had the opportunity to call some of their games. And I've obviously, I watch Utah football games. And I think, you know, if you're talking midseason Utah versus midseason Weber State, maybe that's a different football game. Mm-hmm. Um, so still still a lot to, for, for Utah to work on. But it was kind of a, a bland, vanilla game plan. Utah gets the win 40 to 17 over Weber State. A lot of good things. And of course, the big talk is going to be that Utah quarterback Charlie Brewer, 19 of 27 for 233 yards and two touchdowns, multiple drops, two drops in the end zone that hit their target right in the hands. So there were a couple of drops of these Charlie Brewer passes that were right on the money. But it was a very good performance. Utah fans have got to be so excited with what they saw from their quarterback. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break. Frank's going to get his herbal tea. We're going to get our second <laughs> breath, and we're going to stay on, on air with you. We're going to take more phone calls, 855-340-9663. Give us a call. We're going to keep breaking this game down next. A lot of good news coming out of this game for the University of Utah. Not only do you get the win 40-17, to 17, but you have had a chance now to see Charlie Brewer. 19-27 of 27 for 233 yards and two touchdowns. Frank, really quick for the people that are just joining us as they're coming out of the stadium and they're flooding down the hill trying to get themselves home. I want you to kind of reset things on Charlie Brewer. Just his performance and do the Utes have themselves – a bona fide quarterback. Yeah. I think the the question mark about Charlie Brewer, if he was as advertised, was certainly answered in my mind tonight. Like managing the pocket under pressure, managing a clean pocket, athleticism, escapability, throwing the ball on the run. Throwing under pressure. We saw a couple. Throwing under pressure. Accuracy, under knowledge of situational football, throwing people open, like he's really foot, nice backs. It's backside shoulder throw, really beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. footwork, footwork was excellent. Good timing, good timing, good rhythm. Should help his offensive line. Yeah, poise. I mean, he demonstrated all of those things throughout the football game. I so I, Utah fans should be excited about yeah, this quarterback. Yeah, I, I mean. Uh, I, I think I'm pretty objective, maybe to the point of being critical yeah. of Utah quarterbacks. I am too. Yeah. I'm very particular about it. Yeah. And and I think uh, based on this performance, 
there's you sh- you should be optimistic. Like well, this is a guy. When when Charlie Brewer goes out there and in the first two quarters, in my mind, I'm thinking, "Ooh, I haven't seen a quarterback that I felt this comfortable with his timing and rhythm since." Maybe Brian Johnson. Now that's as far back as I go because I was playing professionally and and doing my thing. So, so you didn't see Alex Smith. No, I don't have a sample size of him. Not yeah, from, so not Alex from Smith college. was that guy. Uh, was he a timing and rhythm guy? Because a lot of people would be like, "What about Tyler Huntley?" Well, Tyler Huntley got really accurate with Andy Ludwig's help. And Andrew Ludwig started to force Tyler Huntley to throw, and that started to come around. But his timing was never that where I'm like, I would love to block for him. It's always funny because, Frank, the first thing I do when I'm watching a quarterback, I think, I'd love to block for him. Or I would never block for that guy. I don't even want to be in front of that guy. You, t- Tyler Huntley could make uh, – it could be a nightmare for an offensive lineman because you don't know when the ball's coming out. Yeah. There's there's not like this sense of I'm going to hit my fifth step. This should be opening now. I'm going to throw the ball. Uh, I'm going to get rid of the ball here. It's always like delay, delay, delay. Maybe I'm going to scramble. Maybe I'm going to stay in the pocket a little longer and just let things unfold until I can actually see it. And yeah. so he, he he could be he could be a a nightmare for an offensive lineman. But he seems to be really coming around in the NFL. <laughs> It's it's impressive. I mean, hey, listen, I that is one thing I never suspected. Yeah, to see him. Me neither. On but, an NFL roster, but good for him. Good, good for really him. Really for him. Good for him. But Absolutely. It's just impressive to sit in there and watch Charlie Brewer throw and think, man, it's been a long time since I've seen this. That is such good timing, good rhythm, good accuracy. Yeah. Good smart throw. Yeah. You know, he's he's rolling on a boot and he's got a shallow and a deep and he just he just throws the easy strike. Yeah. You know, he hits the shallow and gets 15, 18 yards and that's just doesn't go for the strike cuz he's got a cover two over top and just makes the right decision. Yeah. And it didn't look like anything really, you know, he just kind of looked like he just went to work. He was just it was like a day at the office. And I was really impressed with him. And you know, that's something that we talked about when we saw Tyler Huntley start to pr- improve under Andy Ludwig. Remember, Andy Ludwig was the one that orchestrated with Brian Johnson. He was the that was oh, the no, he, yeah. he was the Absolutely. play caller through the Sugar Bowl with Brian Johnson, yep. and you saw the click, click, click. The offensive just now. Brian took a lot of that in, in onto his own shoulders mm-hmm. and kind of became the signal caller to a certain extent. But Andy Ludwig knows how to put it back on a quarterback, and he knows he's got a super senior. This is Charlie Brewer's 18th year in college football. He's been longer than Britton Covey? (laughs) Class of 2004. (laughs) And he's just doing his thing. No, I I just am – I'm overjoyed to see a Utah quarterback show some, you know, some timing and rhythm. Let's jump back out to the phone lines. Um what do we got, Spencer next? Is that right, Eric? Spencer, you are up with Frank Dolce. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm I'm doing better after I was able to uh, get in uh, the stadium again after a year break. Oh, uh, not bad, buddy. No kidding. But, hey, Hans, uh, we, I want you to kind of break down uh, the offensive line uh, in that in that first half. But I, but I think what everyone really wants you to break down is what, what, what was it like dating a carny? Oh man, we're not doing this. Doggone it! You know what? That that's a fantastic question. 
the, the second part. I mean, you, you've, we've done a good job of breaking down the offensive line. I think everybody understands that you're going you're gonna to take some time to do it correctly. But people have spoken. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> people have people, spoken what? People have spoken, Hans. <laughs> Eric, you're gonna, Eric, you're gonna have to start the screen callers because we don't want to, this to turn into that. She wasn't a carny. She was. She worked at the festival selling hair comb switchblades and dream catchers and stuff. But she wasn't a carny. Her parents ran the festival booth, and I didn't even date her. I just asked her to go on a ride with me. Is this was this in Idaho? Yeah, it's a Weezer yeah. fiddle contest. How about you not laugh and have fun with listeners on this? Because that would really help me if you could do that. You're exactly right. All right, let's jump back out you're to the phone. Absolutely lines. right, uh, Carter. You're up next, Carter. I know Carter's always got a good question. What's up, Carter? Hey guys. Oh, it's been way too long. I got way a too to long, ask you guys. But first, I want to say thank you to you guys, because in this past year, I've been able to fulfill a dream of mine. I'm playing contact football in uh, high school, and even though I've never played contact up until these last couple years, I've been able to make varsity, and a big part of that is because of your guys' show, your insight, the way you're able to make it digestible, and just being able to elevate my understanding of the game, hey. even if I haven't been able to get out there. See, that, a big part of that is you guys, and I'm just really see, appreciative. See, Hans, you changed lives, No, man. you do. You no, lives. Carter, that is that's so a, cool, that's man. That's such a nice comment. We're Carter. proud of you, and Congratulations. You, you probably got a game tomorrow then, right? I do, against our school rivals. Nice. Oh, yeah, there's nothing like a rivalry game. Is it a homecoming like or just a rival? Just a rivalry uh, game. Unfortunately, it's on the road. Well, go take care of business, Carter. Give us some insight, man. What'd you see? What'd you think? Uh, this has been a really interesting game. One of the first things that jumped out to me was on our defense, Devin Lloyd. He, like, I knew going into the season that he was going to be a good linebacker, but he was able to really diversify himself. And instead of just being, you know, the stereotypical strong man in the middle of the field who can block some inside routes as well as rush he was able to really like stretch uh spread himself across the field and i was really impressed with his pass coverage and i think that's just going to be a great weapon for us to take away options from defenses and so i'm really glad that we have that guy on our field because he's just able to diversify our pass options when he's able to get out there and keep up with guys like that and then one question i had is you know going into this season there was obviously a lot of media coverage for our transfer quarterback and our really beefy running back core. And because of all that, and I mean, granted, I didn't dig very deep, but our receiving core kind of got swept under the rug and I didn't really know what to expect going into the season. So I wanted to ask you guys, what were you expecting from our receivers going into this game and how well do you think they met those expectations coming out of it? Thank you guys. Yeah. Devin Lloyd's fantastic. Like, yeah. Uh, that that's a guy that geez, he's a, he's he's an impact player, impact player, no question about it. He's a ball hawk, and always finds himself seems to find himself in the right position to make a play. Really, really like him, uh, and he's a you know Sewell is a great mm-hmm. compliment. Those two together are are just fantastic. Utah's gone away from 
and this has you know evolved over the last several years, but Utah used to be a four three, and in the way you can't you can't be a four three anymore. So it's just those two guys, and and they're they're good. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're really good. Two of, like, the, two of the best they've had at the same time. I, I agree. I like those guys hey, a lot. And shout out to Colton Swan because Colton yeah. Swan came in and took over when Justin Enna took a coordinating position. Colton Swan was the linebacker coach for the team that he just played. So he has definitely moved up. Uh, I'm sure a very nice increase in pay, you know, because I don't think that there's a single coach on that Utah staff under 300,000. What? Yeah. What is this? It's like it's a big business. I thought this was college football. Oh. It, no, it's it's no longer a friendly game. What it's, happened? Let's pay these dudes big time. Remember bucks. when professional football players used to work at like the auto dealership in the off season? You remember that? I do. Yeah. I don't remember it, but I know stories about that. I do know stories about it, but Colton Swan has done a fantastic a fantastic job. He's done ter- a terrific job. Getting, uh, getting guys there and coaching them up. Spencer asked about the receivers. Yeah. It's still a question for me. Like, I I, I really like Brew. I, I really like what Brewer's done, what he did tonight. And I'm very optimistic about him moving forward. And um, he has he has a terrific safety net in his tight end core. And the way that Keithy plays, the way that Dalton Kincaid kind of bursts onto the scene, and, and even with Fotheringham, like he he could legitimately just throw to those guys yeah. and have a, a running game, and they would be pretty good, pretty, pretty hard to stop. Um, and so I don't know, like, I don't know if we saw enough of the wide receiver group to really – determine what they are. I mean, Britton Covey caught four passes, nothing spectacular. I mean, they they're just pretty good. Um Solomon Ennis had the had uh the touchdown catch and and you know, so I there wasn't anything that happened with the wide receiver group that that made me think like I feel really good about this group. There was nothing that they did that makes me think I'm really down on this group. It's kind of the same. I come out of this game with the same kind of question about that group. Are they going to be able to perform when they need to perform? And who who's going to evolve out of that group? I, I think that's well said, Frank. And I can't break down the receivers as much as I can tell you and as much as you know how much an accurate quarterback can change the stars of a receiver. You know, so... I look at these guys and I'm like, I don't know enough, but what I do know is if they cut into a route on time, the ball's going to be where it needs to mm-hmm. be, and that can really help them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if they know I'm on a crossing route and I've got a break at the five-yard mark or the three-step mark, whatever it is, and if I break at the three-step and that safety shifts to right side field, and I, as soon as I look, that ball's in my hands. Mm-hmm. How nice did he throw some of those quick slants? You know, I think he hit Keithy on a quick slant down in the red zone that was beautiful down to like the one or two yard yeah. line. You know, it's it's a snap, one, two, fires it in there on those quick slants. So when you know, as a receiver, you know, then you take those steps and expect it. Yeah. Brewer, to his credit, was always ready to throw. We didn't find ourselves watching this game in a position where we were saying, He's late. 
Mm-hmm. He's late. He's we've done yeah. that. We've done that oh. regularly in the past. He's <laughs> late. He's late. He's late. Yep. And then you have to make some miraculous play. He was always ready. He was always loaded and ready to deliver the ball. It was really refreshing. <laughs> yes. Really refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know how it looked in the stands for the fans that were there live. I don't know how it looked for the average football fan that was just sitting back and watching. For me, a guy that loves timing and rhythm from quarterbacks and just – if it's not there, then put it over the top. If it's not yeah. there, then tuck it, go down. Whatever you got to do, but let's not dance around and extend and let receivers continue to hand battle. And Don't do that because offensive line exhausts. You get hit. Receivers mm. exhaust. It's like just timing and rhythm, and it's so pretty. I was really happy with it. It put a big smile on my face. 855-340-9663 to jump on the phone line with us. Alan, you are up next with the great Frank Dolce. Go ahead, Alan. Oh, boy, I'm honored to be up with the great Frank Dolce. So am I, Alan. <laughs> All guys, of us are, go Alan. On, go on. Get out of here. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> anyway, I was most interested in the running back battle. And in my mind, we found – Two that separated uh, greatly. I was a Tavion Thomas. He's a he's a poor man's Derrick Henry. I was thoroughly impressed with his physical abilities. I I know he fumbled, but uh, that guy's a beast. And Mike Bernard, I had no idea he had that good a hand. So as a third down back, I think he's he's got uh, some real real skills that could really help. Did I? misjudge that or mischaracterize that or not no i i think you're i think you're on it alan um I, in fact i think you're you're very much on it um frank why don't you kind of just further the conversation on that with the running back? yeah i i i couldn't agree more with that i thought bernard demonstrated that he's a steady he could be a steady every down pro, productive back i think that he sh- he showed that uh and then i thought Thomas was a step better than that. Like Th- Thomas demonstrated that he could he could also be a steady every down back, but but he had the ability to break a tackle at the line of scrimmage, pick up extra yards, find the end zone, had a nose for the goal line. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, boy, a, a, a poor man's Derek Thomas. That's lofty. That's pretty. That's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty lofty because Derek Thomas is like another level. And and I just. I watched Derek Thomas run. The he the way that he runs, he looks so stiff, up, so upright and stiff, but unbelievably productive. Like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't match up. Um, so maybe running style, I would say Thomas is kind of that that way as well. Uh, I hope he's as productive as as Derek Thomas. That that uh, that's that's pretty lofty. Makai Bernard with three catches for 41 yards out of the backfield. I do like that. And when we were talking about Charlie Brewer's ability to hit those receivers, he's got a really beautiful ability to lead running backs. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I love in quarterbacks. Quarterbacks that lead lead their running backs and give them the ability to keep their vision downfield on what they're running into and to – get that step moving forward as they catch the ball. The timing is everything. The timing is everything because defenses will start to recognize when a 
when a, a back is releasing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and they're going to be they're going to be on that. Mm-hmm. And so when we what we've seen in the past is somebody late with the ball, running back doesn't have time to make the catch, turn up, you get blown up. Mm-hmm. And now the timing of this changes, and so there's this dimension that's added to the Utah offense. So uh, you you can't. I, my my expectation is. Even with a powerful running game, which Utah should have, we won't see this eight men in the box anymore, because you're gonna have to you're gonna have to recognize all these other things that could happen mm-hmm. because your quarterback is on top of his game. Let's sneak in one more phone call, then you're gonna hear from Kyle Whittingham. Penny, you're up with Frank Dolce. Go ahead, Penny. Hey guys. Hey, guys, it is a pleasure to talk to both of you. Frank, you are the quarterback of my childhood. I, it's just a pleasure to end hands. You are the king of 911 calls, I guess. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, um, I just want to say, you know, watching that game in, in the stands, it's been a while since I've seen a quarterback uh, like Brewer so accurate. Frank, maybe you can – talk more of that i don't want to hype up someone for just one game uh, against yeah. the yeah, fbs but man his accuracy is probably since maybe brian johnson maybe the best act i, I don't know maybe I'll, I'll i'll defer to the great quarterback and 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 listen to you guys up here awesome penny thanks for the call man there, so, go ahead there are there are pr- probably three guys that come to mind that had that sort of accuracy mike mccoy is a guy Mike McCoy played yeah. right after I did. Okay. I had a long time a career as a player and a coach in the NFL. Uh, he had that ability to put to put the ball where it needed to be. Very very accurate thrower. Uh, of course, the Alex Smith, fantastic. Um, Brian Johnson. When Brian Johnson was healthy, Brian Brian Johnson had that shoulder injury. He lost a lot of velocity on the ball, especially one year of his career at Utah, uh, but then gained it back his mm-hmm. senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing people I always remember this about Brian Johnson, and and that his his senior year, the Sugar Bowl year, is is uh, we would go through games with Brian Johnson. And three quarters of that game, we would say, "What? What is Brian? What's he doing? What's Brian Johnson doing?" And then in the fourth quarter, I don't know how many times he did it. It seemed like every game he led this miraculous comeback, mm-hmm. and then he was fantastic against Alabama. Finally, opened had the opportunity to open up the playbook. Um, but those are three guys that had the ability to to put the ball where it needed to be on a consistent basis and as as many Utah quarterbacks as I've watched um, to say there's you know maybe three ish guys and now maybe a fourth in Brewer with that same type of ability it's I mean we're taking a one game sample how many times did you throw the ball 27 times Mm -hmm. I mean we're taking a 27 throw sample Mm -hmm. of the guy so but he does have, you know, this tremendous these tremendous numbers from Baylor too, so um, maybe it's not such a leap to say that he's, you know, 
He's a guy. Uh, really quick before we jump out to Kyle Whittingham and let people hear from him, give me a comment on Cameron Rising. You got to see him in yeah. for a couple of plays, but yeah. I, I wanted to get your thought on him. Well, I, I'd love because to the, see the him Because the odds of Charlie Brewer, you know, the odds of any quarterback making it through, you, you just don't know. So we've Very got a thin. chance to look at Cameron Rising. Give us some thoughts on him. Well, I'll tell you the – the thing you should recognize about Cam Rising is, well, there's several, but one is he, he had a tough, difficult injury uh, last year, and he's completely rehabbed. He's, he's, got, he's, he's found himself 100% healthy again. And then when his number was called, there was not a drop-off in productivity on the offensive side. He went in. They were productive. They got the ball in the mm-hmm. end zone. Mm-hmm. And he was as engaged in the football game when his number was called as if he were a starter. I think that's something that you have to recognize about, uh, about Cam Rising and, and his, his attention to detail and, and where he was on the sideline. It's not difficult. It, it's, I mean, it's difficult to lose that battle, to lose the battle to be the starting quarterback. It's heartbreaking. It's, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but but it seems like Rising had managed that extremely well, and I think Utah fans should be very comfortable um, with with the two quarterbacks Utah has in the system right now. Kyle Whittingham addressed the media after this game went final. Utah getting the win, forty to seventeen. Here's your coach. Kyle, what did you think of the way Charlie played tonight? It seemed like you and Coach Ludwig were trying to open things up a bit and really trying to let him out. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. His numbers were good. Not great, but good. Um, he did throw the pick, but that's not really his pick. It was, you know, we decided to try to throw one up at the end of the first half and see if we uh, could come down with it. And so that really was not a, a bad throw. That was uh, what he was supposed to do. But, but I thought he was very poised in the pocket. Uh, did a nice job keeping his eyes downfield. Um, was accurate. It was close to 70%. I guess what's 19 or 27? That's just over close to 70. Anyway, right there. And uh, did a good job running the offense. So I thought he was positive. Now he had a few draw losses that yeah, probably didn't touchdown. But what, what, what can you do there? Get better and catch him. I mean, I had a bunch of sh- stuff <laughs> I wrote down here. I got tired of writing it. In the first quarter, he let, let a kickoff return out for a touchdown. We drop a touchdown pass. We we have to burn a timeout on the field. We've got one of ten guys out there. we got ten guys on offense for the play that uh, Yasmin ran the reverse. Uh, we dropped two more balls. Then we miss a PAT after a delay of game. we got to be more clock aware. So we got a whole laundry list of stuff to work on for this week. It'll keep us busy. And uh, as players and coaches, we got to be better next week. You four guys carrying the ball. Well, we'll see. Put the ball on the ground. You can't put the ball on the ground. And so that's that was the big downside of it. But uh, he did show you a taste and a, and a little bit of a glimpse of what he's capable of and what he's all about. So we'll look at the film uh, and grade it hard and, and uh, come up with uh, a pecking order. It's not going to be or, 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 or this week. We're going to have a, a one, two, three, four, and we'll see what the film says. Are you able to, to really get a good idea of the offensive line play? You get a feel for it, but not you can't see the details of it and, and why things are not happening at times, or why you know what what is happening at times. You, you, you know, I 
tend to watch the big board, and I can see a lot better uh, vantage point on uh, from the sidelines watching that and see what's going on up front than you can just watching it on the field. But but uh, I don't think we played well enough up front, just my first impression. And that's not to pick on those guys, because I don't think we played well enough in a lot of positions tonight. Yeah, I was uh, just trying to, you know, kept it reset every time a lightning bolt comes down or whatever, you, you go back to 30 minutes on the clock, and so they kept resetting us over and over. So we just kept them informed of what, uh, you know, as the time would tick down, and then, and then uh, as we got to the point where we were pretty certain that that uh, we were going to get through the 30 minutes without another delay, then we started stretching and that type of stuff. But for, for me personally, I just told them to stay focused and, and keep their minds on the game, and, and uh, they did a good job of that. I think they did, they did a really good job of that. Are you able to say how close Jerry Pump is to being able to play? Uh, we hope for this week or next week, nine days from now, is, would be ideal. How do you feel the uh, secondary fared? I mean, it seems like you guys yeah, they made some plays. Uh, quarterback completed too many balls, though. He was he was uh, nearly nearly 65-ish percent, um, and so that we did come away with one interception on the tipped ball, the ball that hit off the helmet. Devin made a great play on that, but uh, we had to get better in the secondary. And that's not just them; it's the under coverage. There was a lot of times linebackers needed to give help to the secondary that we didn't do, but uh, we did make some nice plays. I thought Clark Phillips showed up and made some nice plays. Uh, JT Bratton recovered. He had, the guy had a couple steps on him. He recovered and made a play on that deep ball. Fabian Marks played and made a nice play on the deep ball in the second half. So there was a lot of good things, but uh, things that we can work on. All right, there you go, Kyle Whittingham. Some of his thoughts in the postgame. Uh, you can hear that sound in its entirety at 1280 Zone. Dot com. Frank Dolce, Hans Olsen, we come back and wrap things up on your post-game show next. Welcome back. It is your post-game show. Hans Olsen, Frank Dolce. Frank, I mm-hmm. want you to kind of surmise this. Um, I want you to put a little bow on this package and sum it up nice for the Utah <laughs> fans. Well... Uh, it, it probably it was a first game. I mean, there's some things got exposed. I think people will maybe panic a little bit about offensive line play. I think that's going to get cleaned up this this week. Um, lots of good things that happened with this football team. Uh, I I I was probably expected more out of the defensive front uh in the defensive front six um although i thought lloyd and sewell were very good mm-hmm. uh i utah seemed a little soft against the pass maybe that's a young defensive secondary trying to find their way i think they cleaned some of that stuff stuff up after halftime um Pretty good production at the running back position. Still kind of a question mark at the wide receiver group. Uh, offensive line needs to get solidified and maybe get some some guys who have been injured. To me, overall, it seemed like a first game that was never really in doubt, and Utah kind of figured it out and took it in the second half. Just, just kind of dominated the game in the second half. Most Importantly, out of this football game is I think we saw lots of talent, 
lots of ability, lots to be optimistic about, and mostly the quarterback position. How many times have we come out of a Utah football first game and said, we're really optimistic about the quarterback position? I, I don't think that we've ever done that. So that's a, that's a, I think that's a huge bright spot for, for Utah. And they'll get, they'll get a bunch of that other, other stuff cleaned, cleaned up. Um, and it should be a terrific matchup next week. Well, next week, obviously, the rivalry game. So your first vision of this Utah team, Charlie Brewer in the rivalry game at LaBelle Edwards Stadium. We're going to get a look at BYU coming up Saturday. Not quite tomorrow. We're about 35 minutes away from saying tomorrow. But uh, coming up on Saturday, you get a chance to see what the revamped BYU team looks like. But what you saw from this Utah team, do you feel encouraged? And and I, I think Frank and I would both agree you didn't see even close to everything. You saw a lot of nothing. And they still got a nice dominant win. Yeah. So I would say – uh, there's enough. I think we saw enough talent on this Utah football team. They could win a lot of football games. It's gonna be a fun season. They could win a lot of football games. I don't think it's a, like after this first game. I wouldn't say, um, oh, this team should win ten games. This team should win eleven games this year. I don't think I saw. I'm like I didn't come out of the game feeling that. I feel like this is a team that could accomplish all those goals, but it's a team that have to be prepared every single week, ready to go, ready to play. I'm curious. I'm really curious about um, Kalani's team. Oh, very. I I just like very I very. I keep hearing curious. the reports and the things, and they got talent. So I'm very curious to see and offensive I, talent and and. I who knows what kind of tests they're going to get out of Arizona because it sounds like Arizona's not very good. Yeah, they're not. So they're a mess. And 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 I know that people are high on Hall. Uh, not that they shouldn't be, but it's hard to replace a it's hard to replace a guy like Wilson. He was, I mean, he was <laughs> he was super productive. I think we're headed for a fantastic yeah. rivalry. It's it kind of One feels for that the way. Books. Really, it? it does. Yeah. A fantastic Utah defense, a lot of aggression. Uh, a, a quarterback that's extremely accurate in Charlie Brewer mm-hmm. against a BYU team that felt like they missed last year's rivalry game but also feels like they've reloaded and they feel like they're a really good team. So where do you think and I, this is pure conjecture because we haven't seen him play at all but where where does where is the BYU strength at, at this point, as you see targets, it going, going into this? Specialty targets, tight ends, receivers, and running backs. So that makes for the, this great matchup. Mm-hmm. Utah defensively, mm-hmm. BYU mm-hmm. offensively. And, and, you know, I'm very high on Utah's tight end group. I know that there's lots of people who are extremely high on BYU's tight end group, and BYU's traditionally used that tight end group pretty well. That's a that's a really good matchup. I'm I'm very curious to see how how they manage Arizona. Well, if I'm Utah, defensively we come together and we say, all right, we're we're gonna we're gonna rattle Jaron Hall's cage. Mm-hmm. We are going to bring and do. We are going to press hard. There are some really good receiving threats, but Utah's got some guys that can really press. And in their mind, they're thinking, 
just give us a second and a half and we'll get there. And if we don't get the sack, we're going to hit him and we're going to rattle him mm-hmm. and, and shake his guts. And if you're BYU, you're thinking, oh, we're going to have to leave a little bit of max protect. We might have to sacrifice a route or two. We're going to keep Algier in, try to pop a backer and see if we can give Hall just a split second. Or if we got to play action and move the pocket, we've got to extend a little bit because Utah is going to be able to get there. I think Utah is going to be able to get home. I, we saw some enough from Mika Tafua, enough from Devin Lloyd uh, on pass rushes. These guys are powerful. They're very good. And so it's going to be just classic. Uh, you know, where Jaron Hall's got two great outlets in Dallin Holker and Isaac Rex. But those two match up really well. Or, sorry. Utah's nickel package and Utah's base package matches up really well mm-hmm. because you've got cover artists that are, are very good in the rush, very good at stopping the run, but are very good in protections, mm-hmm. in coverages. So it's just, man, Frank, it's one of those ones. Like, you need to be here. This feels like... You need to be here. This feels like that kind of matchup, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Utah gets the win, 40-17. to 17. Frank Dolce, Hans Olsen, this has been your Utah postgame show here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big thanks to Eric back in the booth doing a fantastic job. Uh, thanks to Austin in the pregame show. Thanks to Lloyd Cole for hanging out with us all evening and uh, having a good laugh with us and taking shots at the Denver Broncos. We appreciate that <laughs> and and so much more. Uh, Scotty and I will be kicking things off at 10 o'clock manana, and we will be talking a lot about this game. I am going to go back and look at this offensive line a little bit tonight, but early tomorrow morning, and I will have a better take for Utah fans out there that have offensive line questions. I'll yeah. give that to you tomorrow sometime around 10. Frank, fantastic, man. Thanks, man. It's great to be with you again. Love football season. I can't wait. Get to see you every week again. I, I know. So, so nice. <laughs> Don't. It is. I really, I really look forward to it. Okay. Well, if you're if you're being sincere, I do appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but of course, this show would be nothing without you. So we do appreciate you coming on and and doing this with us. Stay tuned. Uh, Six o'clock in the morning. DJ and PK right here on 97.5, 12 in the zone and.